Hello, Huskies. I'm Andrew. And I'm Nicole. Welcome back to The Howl. Now, this episode is a bit different as we have a theme today. Hope it's not scary. I don't do scary. Well, sorry, Andrew, but today's theme is Halloween. Spooky season, eh? You bet. Today we'll be chatting with the head of the environmental schism, Mr. Cresswell, about the mysteries of the woods and what his students do in the dark forest. Then we have a new segment called Word on the Street, where we'll be talking to some of the wandering souls around Hummerview about their Halloween. After that, there will be a brief talk with a SAC representative about what they planned for events to really bring the scary out of our school. So listen close, Huskies, to these upcoming tales. And we'll be back at the uh. end with the howlouts for this episode. Hey, Huskies, it's me, Tatum. Back at it again with Victoria, and uh, today we're going to be talking to Mr. Cresswell about the environmentalism. So thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> So what is the environmentalism? So the environmentalism uh, focuses on uh, careers in what we call, I guess, the green sector. And it helps students transition uh, to a post-secondary world of employment, I guess, rather than focusing on uh, university or colleges, but what do you actually want to do? And ours is, uh, is very broad. So we have students who are uh, interested in, say, uh, organic farming. We have students who are in- interested in documentary filmmaking. We have students who are interested in sort of traditional sciences or geographies. Uh, and we have students who are interested in business, so things like environmental auditing. So ours is very diverse, um, I guess, maybe compared to some of the other high school's major programs in the province. And ours obviously focuses on any sort of aspect of, of the green sector within the economy. Neat. I think a lot of students are surprised at that. I think there's yeah. sort of a, a traditional maybe mindset of um, tree huggers. Yeah, yeah, I guess maybe. yeah. I always thought like it would be the schism that's preparing you to be a park ranger or something. I think there is that. I mean, I think there is sort of. I guess if you would sort of split the students, I think half the students are just they enjoy the outdoors. They enjoy. Uh, canoeing and and being outside and then I think obviously the other half are are focused on careers and I think there are some that are traditional I mean we have students who go off into to forestry and those kinds of things but then we have other students who are pursuing um, say say uh, psychology and the use of of nature therapy in psychology so sort of again sort of this real range of, of students and why they participate in the in the program so what do you guys do like do you go on trips or so uh, yeah I, that, that the root of the program i guess the the program falls into a lot of um i guess five criteria one of them is certification and training so a lot of our students uh, will have mandatory certifications things like uh, first aid uh, working with uh, gis gps um we miss those kinds of things but then we have other ones so we have chainsaw safety we have stream assessment protocol we have uh, documentary filmmaking we have you know whatever the students interests are so there's sort of those mandatory ones and then we sort of cater ones that are more specific to what students are interested in learning about and we do tend to blend them with out trips so it's not uh, most of the training and certification doesn't happen here at the school it happens at facilities that um, uh, post-secondary or or the work world so we we go to universities and colleges and do a lot of certifications there. We work with real world, uh, real world partners, people like the Toronto Region Conservation Authority will provide those opportunities. And then there's sort of the out trips that are, are experiential. 
going to work with people who actually do those jobs. So um, say, for instance, a recent trip was with the Ontario Federation of Anglers and Hunters to do stream restoration work along the Humber River. So actually doing the job that somebody would do in, in that career. But And then there's some that's just fun. Um, you know, hiking and canoeing and those kinds of things that are, are just uh, getting out and enjoying, you know, experiencing what we have around here. Cool. Uh, what's your favorite trip that you've taken with this Chisholm? Uh, that's a good question. I think uh, we have, historically we have sort of our first trip of the year is, is to Lake St. George, which is a, a conservation area that's about 45 minutes from here. And I think that's kind of a fun weekend because it's get to know each other. It's the first of the year. It's, you know, get a chance to sort of meet and interact with each other. And uh, the grade 12 sort of working with the new people. So it's kind of an interesting time. I think uh, a recent trip we took, I guess, was we went to um, plan a trip to Fleming and Trent University. Unfortunately, because of the strike, we didn't get to go to, uh, to Fleming during the day, but we arranged to go to a... Um, Camp Kawartha, which is uh, an outdoor environmental center. And so that was quite enjoyable to look at sort of energy. Um, there were some challenges around energy and designs of wind turbines and, you know, kind of hands-on things. Uh, and then we spent the night, we slept at the Canadian Canoe Museum in Peterborough overnight, which was which was pretty cool, and then uh, went to Trent the next day and, again, hard, sort of had a lot of hands-on experiences. So it's kind of hard. I would say it's hard to sort of judge which is my favorite. I think students would do the same thing as those sort of different trips for different things. Yeah. Okay. That's so many good options. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Too many to choose from. So uh, what sort of careers do students tend to pursue afterwards? What's, like, the most popular career? I don't know if we have one single career. A lot of our students, obviously, are still sort of um, science and and geography, you know, biology, chemistry students. So a lot of them are pursuing, uh, say, engineering, or they're pursuing stream restoration work, environmental restoration. But then we have students who are off now in forestry. We have students in psychology. We have students in in media. Um, I don't think there is... I wouldn't say that the majority of students go into one field, the, the, the very diverse uh, fields that they pursue, and, and equally between university and college. We're not um, a schism that focuses just on university programs. A lot of I would say, in fact, more of our programs are based on, on college. And the way colleges work today is radically different, where uh, colleges are degree programs. We have of mixed programs. So one that we're really excited to, to be involved with is at, um, at Fleming and Trent, and it's an entry level at Fleming, so a college level application. You do two years at Fleming and then you go to Trent for two years and you walk away with a diploma and a degree. And so, you know, they're, they're kind of unique programs like that where you're, you're getting the university and the college experience. So you're getting a lot of theoretical and you're getting lots of hands on. Sounds amazing. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, so what sort of time commitments are there for students who are in the environment chism? We uh, we're fortunate that uh, we're the third. We're the only high school that has three um, high schools major programs in Peel, and we're lucky to have learned from the other two and and some of the other ones in the, in the board that uh, there's sort of a, a fine line between not enough activity and too much activity, especially at a school like Humberview, where most of our students are involved in lots of teams and clubs and activities and, and what have you. So. We kind of made the conscious decision that we would have sort of one 
one school day a month. And that didn't necessarily mean there would be something every month. It meant that over the span of the year, that's 10 school days maximum that we would take students out. We also have a group of students who are very committed to the program. So we use weekends, we use evenings, we use professional development days. Like We try and not take students out of school as much as we can. And if we do, we also maximize that day. It's not just one event. There might be a number of things that we're going to do in that day, certifications and, and experiences and meeting with people. So um, it is a time commitment, but I would say that we probably try and manage that time commitment as best we can because we realize that most Humberview students are involved with a variety of things. And so uh, especially at 11 and 12 where you're starting to think about post-secondary life and concerned about marks and and where you're going to go. So we appreciate that. Um, and as I say, we try to, to limit the amount of time that students are away. And if it's going to be away from class, we make sure that they're sort of really meaningful experiences so that it's not just sort of a day away that, that a lot of things are being accomplished or experienced in that day. Sounds wonderful for people with very busy lives to be able to do what they really love. For sure. Sounds well, I think There's I also a, a sideline... Or a, another result of that is that students l need to learn to manage. That yeah. when we leave here, there are always lots of competing demands for our time. And so we also have to learn how to manage those competing demands. And that not all students attend every schism event. That, that's the other thing is we realize that we don't force students to attend every event. They know what they need for the certification or they know for the degree or the diploma they're going to get. So they realize that sometimes they have to make decisions between competing activities or, or things that are drawing their attention. So what certifications do you get? Yeah, you were, through... you were talking about this degree. What do you, yeah. mm -hmm. does it take to get that, and what do they get when they graduate? So the uh, in a high school's major program, the diploma is a different diploma than, um, you know, sort of the, the standard diploma that students would get in school. It has a red seal on it, and the red seal implies that they've met all of the criteria for a high school's major program. And as I said, the program is sort of into five areas. So there, there's certifications and training, and again, some of them are mandatory, and then some are, are um, we students will select. So things this year, you know, we have the sort of standard first aid and, and WIMIS and those kinds of things. We have wilderness first aid this year, which is, uh, you know, an option. We have um, what's called ICE, which is innovation, creativity, and entrepreneurship. Uh, there's leadership. There's a, a variety of them. So those are the, the one area that there is some selection. Second is what are called reach ahead. So those are going to universities and colleges to to meet with people and to uh, learn about various programs within the field that might be interested in. Third is is actual courses, right? So there is a, uh, a selection of courses that students can choose from that meet the requirements of the program. And ours are very diverse. They're business programs, they're, they're science programs, they're geography programs, they're food programs, depending on what their area of interest is. There is a, a co-op placement, so there's either the, the uh, school year semester co-op or then we here at Humberview have a 30-day um, a summer, one-month uh, co-op program. So again, it's sort of that opportunity to actually do things with people in the sector. And uh, we have a, a rich experience of that. We have students who've been at uh, working at rehabilitation uh, centers for animals that have been used in sort of films, right? After they're used in their film career, how do they transition back out of that? And we have some students there. We have students who work at auditing firms for, for energy conservation. We have sort of the traditional, you know, outdoor ed programs at conservation areas, those kinds of things. Uh, and so there's a, that, that sort of work experience. 
And then the last section is the experiential section. So it's working with or, or interacting with people who are actually doing the careers. So meeting with conservation officers, meeting with foresters, meeting with um, biologists or chemists or, or people in a variety of environment, environmental careers. So that those five pieces kind of make the program. And so that there are certain things that sort of are mandatory within that. And then there's things that are they have more of a selection or choice of what they'd like to participate in. Okay, so you mentioned a co-op placement. So what's the, uh, maybe the most unique or interesting co-op placement you've seen a student get? I th actually, I think that the working with the former film, animals that are used in film, I think that's kind of unique for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and there's everything. I mean, there's lions and tigers and, and monkeys and everything else. Very and it's cool. local. Like, it's it's sort of right in our area, which I wouldn't have assumed either. Yeah, so I think that's an interesting place. I think... Um, the student who was at the energy auditing firm, I think that was sort of a new thing for us that, you know, again, sort of breaking out of that traditional mold of the environmental sector. Most workplaces today have somebody whose job it is, is to energy efficiency. How can the, the company or the organization better use their resources? And so uh, having a student work at one of the fastest growing energy auditing firms in Canada was, was a, a really cool experience for him. So yeah, um, there's a garden in front of our school, um, and it, my understanding is that you had a hand in it, like the Shizum had a hand in it, um, so can you tell us more about that? Sure. The uh, At the front door, on either side of the front door of the school, it's kind of been... Um, I don't know, somewhat of an orphan. I think out there there's sort of been different people have been working on it and there's been bulbs brought over by people in the community and staff have thrown seeds in there and there was sort of a collection of things and it really wasn't doing well. One of our major problems, obviously, is that during the summer there's nobody really here to look after it. We don't have any downspouts off the building, so there's no rainwater accessible off the top of the building. So uh, last year, my grade 11 environmental science class, that was their summit of assessment, was to design two sustainable gardens at the front. So the, the gardens are native species, they're drought-resistant species, and they actually have designed um, hydration systems. So there's, there's systems that will, will use rainwater to naturally provide moisture for the plants during the summer while we're not here. And again, it's just sort of a real-world project that, um, that our students are involved in. Got a number of them. We've just finished this fall a, a monitoring plot down behind the tennis courts. We've been down there that uh, there's 40 different tree species planted down there, and the idea is to look at the impacts of climate change. Mm -hmm. So there are tree species that we wouldn't find in our, our area. They're south of us, and there's tree species north of us. And the idea is to every year to sort of monitor their growth, how well they're doing adapting to climate change in a wetter and, and warmer climate. How are the trees affected by that? So we do lots of little projects like that. We've got an augmented reality sandbox that's being constructed which is a really cool piece of technology we've got uh, vermi composting we started there's a you know sort of a number of i guess those experiential that the students get to experience what it is to really do those things rather than just sort of talk about them what is an augmented reality sandbox augmented reality sandbox is um basically it's a sandbox it, yes. it, literally it's a sandbox like uh, literally a sandbox or like a game sandbox it is a a a standard sandbox that you would find in an elementary school classroom, and above it mounted is a, a 3D camera and a short throw projector. And basically, using coding software, 
landforms are projected onto the sand, but they're projected on in real time in the sense of the shape of the sand. And so contour lines are added and dimensions are added, projected onto the sand. And as you manipulate the sand, in real time, the projection is also changed. So you can build up mountains and the mountains will be projected onto the sand as you manipulate the oh, sand. I see. And so you can dig out a hole and then fill it with water. And then you could create a break. Like say we wanted to model a dam. We could build a dam in the sand and fill it with water, virtual water, not real water, and then break the dam, and we can watch what will actually happen to the water on that landform. So we could model a section of the Humber River and then add more water. Just say there's a rain event and we add a whole bunch of more water, and then in real time we can see what would happen to that water with, with changes based on real landform. So it's a way of teaching and understanding the way landforms affect or the lithosphere and the hydrosphere, the water systems and the land systems interact with each other. Uh, speaking about interactions, um, we have the green team at the school, and we are curious, you know, how much uh, do, how, uh, sort of, what's your relationship with them? Do you guys sort of collaborate on anything? There, there is some overlap in the sense that we have students who are in both, uh, but they're also somewhat uh, distinct in the sense that uh, most green teams or environmental clubs, they tend to focus on the school, what's happening in the school, recycling, maybe awareness, education pieces or events that sort of draw attention to the environment uh, to students at the school, where the high skills major program is very much about after school, right? Like once you leave the school and that transition away. So there are some things that we do together, but um, lots of times that you know, we're not in charge of recycling, say, for instance, in the high skills major program. And that's, that's something we would help with, but it's not really part of, of our program. Our program is much more about helping, as I said, students understand uh, transitioning from uh, secondary school into the next stage of their development or their education around a career that's in an environmental field. Okay, great. Is there anything that you have learned from participating in this Chisholm? Something that shocked your age-like sage wisdom? <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that um, we're very lucky at Humberview, I would say. We're probably the last high school that has the amount of green space around it um, within the Peel Board. And so uh, I think we, we're very fortunate to have the partners that we do, organizations like the Toronto Region Conservation Authority and, and Humber College and, and the University of Guelph and local partners like Eco Caledon. Uh, the Albion Hills Community Farm, they provide a lot of support for us that uh, is true partnerships. It's not just them doing for us, but it's also us doing for them, that we're, we're having a relationship that's based on um, goals that we both have, but we're helping each other sort of achieve those goals. So I think, um, I guess I'm, I'm surprised uh, at how well that has happened and the continuing opportunities that are provided to students. We had... Uh, we have a project that we're, we're working on to uh, possibly build a new building here on the property that would be sustainable, it would model uh, new building techniques, it would be a place for students to innovate and, and uh, learn in new ways. And when we started to have these conversations, we were amazed how much the community and parent groups and uh, volunteer organizations and, and uh, local municipal levels of government and the board are on board, that they want to, to see us do that. And, and they see it as a natural extension of what we're doing. We're probably one of the premier environmental schools in the board. That's awesome. Huh? 
does this schism have any long-term goals as a program? Uh, I, well, I guess it has goals in the sense that it's an, it's a program that's outside of Humberview. It's it's a provincial program that's designed by the Ministry of Education. Uh, I would say that there are probably some goals that, that obviously we continue. We've started projects, and if projects sort of, um, you just do them once for one set of learning, well, that's not really sustainable either. The, the projects we engage in, obviously a goal is that the garden, say, won't revert back to a catch-all of bulbs next year, that, that it will continue, that, that whether it's the schism or it's other students in the building, will recognize that these are opportunities that they, they should capitalize on. So I think that sustainable piece, I think, is, is one of our major goals. Uh, being the only environmental schism in the Peel Board is uh, is something that we like. I mean, there, there is a downside in the, the sense that we're sort of shocked sometimes why there isn't other schools, why there aren't other schools that have high skills major programs in the environment, especially when it is the fastest growing sector of the Canadian economy. So if we're really thinking about helping students transition, we probably should spend more time talking about the green sector of the economy and helping students understand that. I think there are some goals, you know, this building that I referred to, um, we call it the Hill, which is Humberview Innovation and Learning Lab. That That's a long-term goal. Uh, we're working at starting a canoe club over this winter so that we'll, um, we have a goal that uh, we'd like to canoe the Humber River from here to Lake Ontario. And so that that sort of component piece of appreciating the natural world, part of being in the environmental schism isn't just about careers. It's also about you have to appreciate the natural world to begin with. And so getting students out into nature is, is probably a long-term goal as well. Cool. Do you know of anyone who doesn't like the environment schism? Because it sounds like you're getting a lot of um, support, but do you have to deal with any uh, controversy? Because I know there's a few, uh, lack of a, for lack of a better word, dum-dums that don't believe that uh, climate change is real. Right. Uh, I don't think we get too much into converting anybody mm -hmm. uh, in the sense that um, the students who who come to our program tend to want to be in our program. We don't do a lot of marketing. We don't, um, you know, have sort of major events or, or those kinds of things, and we don't spend a lot of money on, on promotional materials. Most of the students who come to us want to be in the schism. They've heard about it or that that's something that they already believe in, right? So, so we don't spend a lot of time engaging in debate or discussion with other people. I think there is... Um, I think there sometimes can be resistance to schisms in general that sometimes there might be a perception among parents or among uh, different uh, stakeholders or, or people who work in schools or what have you that um, it, it might just be a club or a team, that they don't recognize that it, in fact it is, a, it is a different diploma, it is a program that that student is in. And so when they are away, say for instance, they're not away just sort of you know, hanging out at the mall or something, that that's actually key to their learning. So I think there is some education part still that needs to happen with, with people for them to understand that, like I said, this isn't a club or a team. It's it's the actual degree or diploma that, that students are working on, like they would be in any other class. This is a program that contributes to their diploma requirements. So I think there's some, some education in that area for sure. Cool. Um, but uh, last but not least, uh, I'm pretty sure the answers vary, but uh, is the planet doomed, is it? <laughs> uh, if you were in my environment and resource management class or my world issues class, you'd probably say yes, uh, that we spend a lot of time sort of doing an audit or, or inventory of where we are with the planet. 
Uh, I think we we tend to be very nihilistic today that uh, we hear lots of doom and gloom on the media in the media and and uh, we have lots of uh, of individuals who like to uh, to pontificate or tell us why everything is as bad as it is and and it can be I mean it can be pretty shocking but I also know that I can get in a canoe in Algonquin Park in summer and uh, I can be I can be taught again that that nature is an amazing thing and is very resilient. And sometimes if we just get out of the way and let it do its thing, that it will heal itself. I think also that um, the mindset or this, that humans got us into this situation and the capacity of humans to innovate n- never ceases to amaze me. So if, if our brains got us into this mess, our brains can get us out of this mess the same uh, the same way, and so it just takes a, it takes a mindset. It, it's a change in mindset away from consuming and and destroying to preserving and sustaining, and um, and getting people to realize that. I think there is a misnomer that a lot of people, especially young people, feel people feel disempowered that they don't have. How can I contribute? I'm just one person who. Well, that's every significant change that has ever happened has always been from one person. Right? So if we empower and encourage people to, to take those, those steps and actually inform and inspire you know, young people going home and having conversations with their parents and their neighbors and their siblings, uh, I'm always amazed the amount of change that takes place just through those networking of, of average people, not, you know, not the, the rich and famous or the, or the individuals who capture a lot of attention on media as to um, how well they're contributing to change, but it's the average people who make change. Awesome. Well, anything else to add? Just thank you for... That was a question that could have had a very dark and negative, um, gloomy forecast answer, but you turned it into a positive one. So I think that as that message goes out to the next generation that it will have a positive impact. So thank you so much for coming in, you know, teaching us something new. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. What are you scared of? Only winners. Yeah. Win or die. Yeah. Basically. Oh. But there's no dying because it's always dying. What are some of the best costumes you've seen at Humberview today? I've seen some toast with some jam on it. I've seen a lamp. Um, there's been like more than a few 80s workout girls. Probably the most yeah. people. My friend Barney and uh, Mackenzie. They dress up for my man at Barney. I saw John Bender from The Breakfast Club. Hell yeah, you did. <laughs> and I saw a guy dressed up as a stripper, which is pretty great. Ooh, Magic Mike, who? <laughs> Do you think teenagers are too old for trick-or-treating? Certainly not. I think not. I don't know. I mean, I don't want us to grow up, so like, they don't want us to grow up, so it's best if we stay kids as long as we can. You're never too old to go trick-or-treating. I don't like Hi there, Huskies. I'm Tatum, and this is Deshaun, and we're here asking a SAC representative about Halloween, which was three days ago. 
So hi, do you want to introduce yourself to the listeners? Hi, I'm Sheriar, and I'm the media convener for the SAC Executive Year of 17 and 18. Thanks so much. So we got a few questions to ask. So what was your favorite thing that the SAC planned for Humberview's Halloween events? I think my favorite thing had to be the pumpkin carving, because I think it gave a good chance for people to express their creativity. Also, we allowed people more time than usual, so we really wanted to see what people could do. And I think that this year has been mostly about diversifying and giving more broad opportunities to people in their school. So I think that's just one of the ways that we're trying to do that. So how do you think the events went this year? This year for Halloween? Yes. I think this year, I think we did miss a couple of things. A little bit of our stage pressing was kind of off, which is a learning step because it's our first time ever doing stage games for this executive year. So I think that's something we just have to work on and hopefully we get better as time goes. I think we did well compared to our Terry Fox event, but I think we could still do better. Pretty good. What events are you guys looking forward to? Right now we're planning for semi-formal, the senior semi-formal, which is our next biggest event. And one that I'm looking forward to would be something new that we're trying to start this year, which is the color run, which mm-hmm. is with color powder like running around the field probably sometime near the end of the year. That's something that still needs to be approved, but I think that would be really cool if we could bring that to Humberview. Yeah, that sounds really neat. Is it like a charity event? Uh, we were thinking about making a charity event, but we're not sure because right now, if you do want to do any charity fundraising, you have to go through Peel's charity um, fundraising, so it has to be an event sponsored by them. Okay. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's been great, and uh, what's going to happen next is we're going to the Humberview hallways on Halloween and have some students answer questions. Hello, and welcome to the second installment of Mr. Kakel is Old, where I'm kept eternally young by the pop culture references of my students. Uh, I have here Grant today, who is going to tell me, well, this week I uh, got a new t-shirt from a t-shirt service. It was a a Stranger Things shirt, and it was uh, one of the rare occasions where I wore a shirt that I didn't really know anything about the show. I'd literally never seen it before. And I proceeded to get a whole bunch of people coming up to me in the hall, and they said, hey, awesome. And I kept saying, I'm not caught up, no spoilers, because I was basically pretending that I knew and had any idea what my shirt meant. And uh, so I felt like a real poser this week, and I figured I would uh, take the opportunity to be taken to task for that by having Grant come in here and tell me a little bit about Stranger Things. Hello, like, Grant. Hello. Is this is this like the confession to the to the not knowing? Yes. This <laughs> is my, this is me admitting to my uh, my lack of knowledge. So I want you to tell me. What is the show, Stranger Things, that everybody in the halls was coming up to me and saying, hey, awesome, and uh, and being really excited by my shirt? Tell me about it. Um, well, Stranger Things is a, is a claimed Netflix original series, and it's, it's kind of like a thriller sci-fi um, show. Um, there's a kid who gets lost and like a spectral thing that you aren't revealed to what it is at first. Mm-hmm. And like as the show progresses, you're introduced with more characters that are like um, tied in with the events. And like the show starts to bring everything together while it like paints a larger picture of the setting. Now, one thing that I did get the impression was is that it's set in the 1980s. Is that true? Yes. Yes, it is. It's, so is, is this the kind of th- is there a lot of nostalgia elements because would like old people like me really like this show because it's set in the past it it actually like 
when I when I watch like you really get the feeling when I watch the show like there's a lot of very clear like um, point outs at like the time that it's set in like you have a lot of people with the very poofy hair you have a lot of people with like the um, double rimmed uh, like the two lined glasses mm-hmm. and, like box tops so they're really um, do- going out of their way to kind of depict the setting and yeah. time period like two of the parents are just like complete um encirculations of like the trends of the 1980s oh that's really 1990s cool. now is this as big a thing as it seemed to be when i was walking around in the halls and uh, people were saying hey oh yeah like, so you're lots of kids in the school are very into the show oh yeah the, um the newest season of it just got released um i think it was the friday before halloween Mm-hmm. And um, yes, I've been using it all week to try and avoid talking about the show. <laughs> yeah, um, it, like once it hit the day, like Friday, it was released Friday morning at like twelve a.m. Mm-hmm. And like the day of, I was hearing people talk about the ending. Now that means that a lot of people were like binging it yeah. on the weekend. Yeah. Basically, well, it all came out at once. Oh yeah, it was um, like people were talking about watching it. The, like it was released the like the morning of Friday. And people were talking about it the school day of Friday. We're talking about, like, okay. the finale. Like, there are very, very, like... How many episodes are in the season? There are eight episodes in, in the second oh, season. Oh, okay, so it's very bingeable over the course of the weekend. I, we didn't have yeah. people that were doing unhealthy things to, well, I mean, to see this thing over one weekend. <laughs> I, I'm, like, if, if people saw it and then we're talking about it, like the morning, like the morning, because people were coming in. You're on saying Friday they watched it all in one eight-hour segment, basically. I I could only assume. Okay, well, thank you for coming in. Do you think that that, that you know we're recommending this? Should I go and watch this as as an old person? Uh, because it's uh, it, it's good for like both yours and my demographic. Is that what you're saying? Um, oh yeah, it's it like the show just does such good. Um, justice to like the time it was set and the show does like it's it's very very good and like involved in what pieces of pop culture references it, mm-hmm. it has a real like a lot of really good aspects so yeah i would recommend it it is mostly teenage protagonists though right um, it, like the main characters are largely uh teens uh they're they're kids they're um the actual actors are like 14 15 but they don't look it People, like, whenever they're on interviews and stuff, they're um, questioned about being able to read yet. But, but they are authentically teenagers, the um, main actors. I believe they they're are. They're not like Dawson casting, where they're, like, 22-year-olds that are uh, playing teens. I'm pretty sure they're playing middle school students. I'm Interesting. I, I am ashamed that I don't have that fact iron out. Oh, I think that they are in a high school, middle school kind of split. Okay. Now that I think back to it. All right. Well, I think I'll let you go there, man. Like, thank you for uh, for coming in and uh, talking about this. And uh, no problem. I guess we have. Uh, I have something to catch myself up on to stay young. Thank you very much. This summer, I mean winter, prepare to be petrified by a monster of our own design. What kind of monster makes a footprint like that? That's not just any footprint. It's a carbon footprint. Many thought it was a myth, despite the facts proving them wrong. You guys are insane. Global warming doesn't even exist. Oh god, I'm burning! In theaters now, and forever, until we resolve our issues. This message brought to you by the government of Canada. Looks like our show has reached a final end, Huskies. 
And that means we can put an end to this Halloween thing for the year. Yay, that means we can celebrate winter holidays now. But it's November. It's never too early for some jolly Christmas cheer and other holiday celebrations. Anyways, let's wrap up this episode. We would like to give a howl out to all our peers and educators in the Peel District School Board for helping make this possible. Special shout out to Mr. Cresswell, Sherry R, and the Humberview students for showing their spooky spirit this Halloween and coming on our show. Thank you to Ryan, Tatum, Victoria, Deshaun, Mateo, Celine, and Luca for their tricks and their treat. Thank you also to Jacob, our man of a thousand voices. Thank you to Mr. Coquel, Grant, and their many minions, our puppet masters that pull the strings behind the scenes. That was a product of the Peel District School Board and Humberview Secondary School. You can also join the conversation at HumberviewHowl.com or send us your questions and comments at feedback at HumberviewHowl.com or check out our Instagram feed at the Howl underscore. We look forward to hearing from you. Well, that's it for this week, Hooskies. I'm Nicole. Wait, uh, I'm Andrew. And I'm the real Nicole. Keep howling, Huskies. Ah!